This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Otson Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Perry, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to your... Thursday, maybe it's Friday when you're listening to this podcast. We're recording on Thursday afternoon. Um, Oregon just wrapped up its fourth spring practice of 2022. And we were able to, to go in for about 25 or so minutes. And we spoke with uh, defensive coordinator Tosh Lupoy, as well as various linebackers of the Oregon Duck defense. But first, before we dive into what we learned from that, Guys, we got to watch 11 on 11. Um, we're going to dissect about 15 plays of 11 on 11 to the extreme. Yes, one by make one. Everything just ever, mean the world out of these things. But we got a glimpse of kind of just where the depth chart is moving. It's 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 evolving. It's always moving. But we got kind of got a, an idea at least of some pecking orders. Yeah, just to start, though, I thought I, I made this joke to both of you guys. We've been given so little information that we were so starving for this that we were all, like, jubilantly leaving the facility like we'd watched, like, a full hour scrimmage. And we watched three minutes. It was three minutes. Uh, it was about 12, 15 plays. Um, it was fun. It was it was surprising because we hadn't seen it. Um, like, and the big news is Ty Thompson, quarterback one, at least based upon where today started. And I thought that was really notable. Um, you don't want to make too much out of it. Obviously, there's a ton more. There's you know, 11 more practices. There's a spring game. There's offseason. There's fall. But for him to be in that position right now, remember a year ago, as far as we could tell, he never really had this upper hand over yeah. Anthony Brown. There was never a spot mm-hmm. during spring camp where anyone other than Brown took first reps, at least based upon what Cristobal said. And today, we saw for sure that he was with the first-team offense. Uh, Bo Nix with the second-team offense, Jay Butterfield with the third. I thought that was really notable. And again, I don't want to make too much out of it. We should note he had a really nice throw to Seven McGee. Um, and then the next play was interception. We thought originally watching it that it was just an incredible pick by Brian Addison. It was made a left handed, it was one handed, left handed grab, went and grabbed it. After, I guess, looking at Matt's photos, it like it was tipped at the line of scrimmage by Jackson Powers Johnson. Um, so maybe, maybe not quite as extreme of a mistake by Ty, at least it felt initially, but like, it was certainly up and down, three to four plays. Again, we don't want to make too much out of it, but I just thought the hierarchy was a little surprising and, and kind of encouraging for this position battle because a year ago, even two years ago, it was kind of clear from the start of spring, like, okay, this person's probably the guy, and yes. we just felt like it really mm-hmm. differed. Well, we've now had four practices, and clearly Thompson's right in the mix and, and maybe even QB1 at this stage. It was definitely surprising to see Ty take the field. Well, first off, it was surprising to see an 11-on-11 portion <laughs> um, but once we kind of got over that shock and awe, uh, definitely was surprising to see Ty Thompson be quarterback one. Um, you know, Eric was in charge of watching the offense. I was in charge of watching the defense. So I didn't specifically pay a lot of attention to Ty other than when he you know, threw the ball. But it's, it, it is notable because just like Eric said, it, it was clear that last year, uh, even though people, a lot of people wanted Ty to be 
a guy who had the opportunity to go with the ones and, and, you know, kind of control that side of the offense. It was clear it was still Anthony Brown and the coaching staff had Anthony Brown as quarterback one, basically the entire year. Um, I'm sure Ty got work with the ones at points, but it was clear that Brown was, you know, be the guy on the, on, on the Saturday starter. Um, so for Thompson to be in this position already is really impressive. It could just be an ultimate curveball by Dan Lanning just to put him out there and get us all excited. Um, (laughs) But, you know, from the way that he, the way that he threw the rock um, didn't seem like it, you know, that pass to seven McGee was, it was really good. It was kind of like a, an out route, not an out route. It was like a, a fade to the sideline that he threw over Jamal Hill right into the breadbasket for seven McGee for like 18, 20 yards. It was a really good throw. And then the next one obviously was intercepted. And that's something that Dan Lanning talked about after Tuesday, where they definitely had some home run plays, um, but there were definitely some turnovers too. And you can kind of see exactly what Lanning was talking about then in those two straight possessions for that first team offense. Um, uh, yeah, regardless though, the, the quarterback competition should be fun. And definitely, I don't think it's going to be the last time we see Ty at, at uh, with the number one team, but I don't think it's going to be, or I don't think he's going to be the only quarterback that is with the number ones. Um, I think it'll kind of go back and forth, but for, for Ty to have himself in this position now is good for him. Uh, it could also be that he has been with the program longer and that's just how it is until Bo Nix gets his footing and and with the team, but it, it's good to see Thompson out there. And I, I think regardless, Oregon's going to be just fine at quarterback. Yeah, you don't want to make too much of Mm-hmm. Uh, five minute, ten minute window that we got, um, but it's noteworthy. It's important that that when the media was there, you know, they're aware of this. They know that we're going to see this, and we're going to write about it. We're going to ask about it on Saturday when uh, Kenny Dillingham and the quarterbacks speak with the media. Um, the, so the, the staff is aware of what we're going to see. Um, but like Jared said, it, it's important to note that. This probably wasn't the first time that Ty Thompson took reps as the number one quarterback. It's probably fair to say that Butterfield has had that experience and that Knicks has had that experience. Um, Different side of the football, but defensive coordinator Tosh Lupoy talked a lot about today that, you know, on defense, and it's fair to assume on offense, that this is a time where you're, you're plugging guys into spots. You're learning you're gathering data, you're gathering information about your team to find who are your best players. And I feel like this is one of those opportunities where let's see what Ty can do. Let's see what he he has in his repertoire as the first-team quarterback. We don't know how the rest of the practice happened, but it was a mixed bag when, when, we, were there, when we were able to watch. Um, other notes, though, we, it, it was, like Eric said, Practice ended and we all just quickly jolted to our cars because we got so much information. Quarterbacks obviously was the big one, um, but we got looks at the first, second, and third team offense and defense as well, which we gleaned a lot from from that as well, guys. Yeah, I'm going to run through first team, second team offense. I'll let Jared do the same on defense because when we're watching practice, that's kind of what we're following. Um it's kind of notable. Sean Dollar's first team running back, Byron Cardwell with the twos, no Whittington with the threes. I think that may be surprised some folks. I know going into spring, we kind of said in, you know, we expected Byron to win this job. I still probably think that'll be the case, but Sean getting the first snaps there, kind of notable. The first team receivers were Dante Thornton, Troy Franklin out wide with seven McGee in the slot. Um, 
Terrence Ferguson, I don't think, took part in any of these drills, so I don't know how much we want to read into it. Uh, Spencer Webb was with the first team, though. The first-team offensive line without Alex Forsyth, who's still working through an injury um, from left to right. Stephen Jones, left tackle. TJ Bass, left guard. So there's a switch up even from a year ago where Bass was playing tackle, and now he's back in at guard, at least for the day. Uh, Ryan Walk at center. Feope Lalu at right guard. And Malasala at right tackle um, was the way that went down. This, this, with the twos, I mentioned Cardwell at running back. Receiver, you had Isaiah Crocker um, and Chase Coda out wide with Chris Hudson in the slot. Um, it could be, by the way, we're talking about this like first and second team. It could be these combinations. I'm a little surprised Hudson behind Seven McGee, but it could be Seven McGee's just had a really nice camp. Again, he had the best offensive mm-hmm. play of the scrimmage of the, of the 11 that we watched. Chris Hudson did have a nice play from Knicks, by the way. I think that was probably the best play for the second team. Uh, caught a pass, made uh, Dane Sippos miss on a kind of a, a cut in space and got upfield for probably a 15-yard gain. Uh, Maliki Madaval was the second team tight end. And then the second team offensive line, again, left to right, Jalen Jeffers, left tackle, Charlotte Picard, left guard, Cannon Rossi, center, um, Matthew, uh, yeah, Marcus Harper, sorry, right guard, and Dawson Yaramillo, right tackle. The third team offensive line is all walk-ons, and about half of them aren't on the roster, so I'm not even <laughs> going to run through that. But I will say that the receivers were uh, Justice Lowe, Isaiah Bravard, um, with uh, Josh Delgado in the slot, and again, Whittington and Jay Butterfield being the running back quarterback combination. So, um, again, I don't think we want to make too much out of this. There's still a yeah. lot on the offensive line with injuries. Ty Dan were still – I don't know what, what was going on with Ferguson, why he wasn't part of it because he did a bunch of other drills. Um Herbert and McCormick are still off to the side, so they don't factor in at tight end. Um, but I, I thought it was notable, again, Hudson with the twos, Cardwell with the twos. Those are two guys I think we obviously expect to be first-team guys at some point. But through a couple of days of practice, pretty impressive that both Sean Dollars and, I guess, Seven McGee have, have done enough to kind of earn an opportunity to run with the ones for the day. Yeah, and before I jump into the defense, uh, yeah, it's hard to take – it's hard to know what to take out of this really because – Players like Terrence Ferguson didn't participate in what we saw, but participated in other drills that we saw. Um, and that was a lot on the defense, too. Um, and even before we jump into the defense again, I'll say that Oregon's like three of their four uh, starting linemen are all injured right now. And Popo, Amave, Keon Ware Hudson, and Brandon Dorless, and Justin, Justin Flo is battling through some injuries. So, uh, the first team is probably going to look different come September 3rd, but today for the first time we were able to see it. Um, I'll go through the defensive line from, from left to right. Uh, Jake Shipley, Jackson Powers Johnson, Suava Pody, and Brandon Buckner. Uh, Noah Sewell and Jackson Duke were the first team linebackers. Safety at the star position was Jamal Hill. The other two safeties were Triquest Bridges and Brian Addison, the guy who made the one-handed interception. And at corner, we had Dante Manning and Christian Gonzalez, the Colorado transfer. Second team, we had uh, from the defensive line from left to right, DJ Johnson, Keanu Williams, Sam Taimani, and Trevin Mai. Uh, linebackers were downtown Keith Brown, Jeffrey Bossa. Nice. Uh, thank you. Star safety was Bennett Williams. Cornerbacks, Darren Barkins and Jaleel Florence. And safeties were Max Wysocki and Dane Sipos. Um, third team, just a couple guys. Uh, most of it, most of them were walk-ons, but the linebacking core were the two early enrollee linebackers and Harrison Taggart and Devin Jackson. Um, on the defensive line, you had Jonah Miller and 
Marcel Afasi, um, and then everybody else were, were walk-ons. Um, but there are, you know, a couple notable absences. Um, Braden Swinson didn't take part in any of these drills. Avante Dickerson didn't take part in any of these drills. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty more. Adrian Jonathan Jackson. Flo, Adrian Jackson. Thank you, Eric. Uh, Jonathan Flo is another one who we've seen, you know, participate with all the safeties, but didn't make the three deep here. Um, you know, we can't exactly pinpoint as to why these players aren't going through some of those drills. We also can't pinpoint that they, you know, played in an 11 on 11 later on in, in the day. Um, like Eric mentioned with Chris Hudson and Chase Cota, these could all just be packages that yeah. the team wanted to see um, during this quote unquote fastball period. Um, so it's something, it's a start. And uh, after the first three practices, you know, we'll we'll all take this. There's a lot to lot to think about, lot to go home and write about. Um, but it was good just to see some competitive football going out there and see where the staff thinks this team is orchestrated, at least for now. Um, some surprises, sure, but again, not everybody's healthy and not everybody participated. We should note um, Brian Addison. I, I think it's noteworthy that not only was he on the first team defense because, and look, it's like we've said before, small sample size, but nonetheless, he was on the first team defense, and not only was he there, he made a game-changing play. Whether Jackson Powers Johnson tipped it or not, it still required an impressive catch. Um, Zach Neal of Duckswire actually tweeted out a good photo of it, and it is a pretty impressive one-handed snag. Um, that's noteworthy. He was not someone – I mean, we. I've been pushing the, hey, if they really need bodies at receiver, he probably should be the one that move over. And he's at – safety and when we were there he was with the first team i think that's noteworthy i think that's it's a, it's a suggestion at least that he's taking advantage of the opportunity that he's been given because at the end of 2021 you could not play brian addison significant reps in the secondary triquest bridges playing safety full-time i don't know if we've like that hasn't been like stated by anyone i don't think but when we've watched practice jared's been watching defense i think it's fair to say he's been basically only playing there um he's a safety yeah, he was playing safety. He's not a corner anymore. He played corner the last couple of years. He's a safety now. I think that's notable. And, that, again, that he and Addison are the first two back there. Steve Stevens, by the way, I assume he's one of those guys who just wasn't – Yeah. He wasn't Another part guy of that. So yeah. that's the guy who we also think is probably first or second team for sure, at least competing for that, and he's not taking part for whatever reason. So, again, it, that being who is the top two safeties on whatever today is, March 31st, Probably doesn't mean a ton, but as Matt said, like at least Brian Addison's out there making plays, you know, because yeah. it could be very easy to forget, be a very forgettable day. And instead, it's a day where we're going, man, you know, who made the best play in the 11 on 11 we got to watch? It was number 13, but number 13 on defense. It wasn't 13 on offense, who's Ty Thompson. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that's notable, Matt. I think, again, again, I don't want to make too much out of all this stuff, but like Seven McGee being somebody who we thought we, you know, entered camp, we didn't know where he was going to fit. He's with the first team offense. Jackson Powers Johnson. We thought he was going to be an interior offensive lineman, and he looks like he's playing defense not only full time, but yeah, because of some injuries, he's right at the top. I mean, he's ahead of Sam Taimani, who was an All Conference honorable mention at Washington last year. I don't know if they're playing the exact same spot, but like they're they're competing on the same you know for the interior spots, and, and look who's ahead. So some of this stuff is kind of interesting and notable, especially for guys who 
positionally we didn't necessarily know where they fit and not only have they found spots but for a couple of them at least they're, they're clearly maximizing it and, and giving them a you know a chance to at least be first team guys at some point yeah just just a few more notes um thought it was telling that jackson the duke is the with the number ones with noah sewell um and uh, the probably the, the the mac linebacker position with noah and the money um he talked about that a little bit in interviews, but we'll, we'll get to that later on in this podcast. Um, another thing with the safeties, also Damon David is going through some injuries, so he was not yeah. a participant um, in general today. So he's another guy that you can add to the list. Um, you know, I, I talked about Avante Dickerson, but it's impressive that Jaleel Florence is there with the second team. Um, you know, you have the other enrollees with the third team, with Devin Jackson and Harrison Taggart. So he's clearly made some sort of an impression. Um, this also goes back to what Dan Lanning said on Tuesday, that he's somebody who, you know, it's important to get mental snaps when you can and learn the playbook and all that, but you can also do that on the field. And that's, to me, that's exactly what was happening with Julio Florence today and actually getting reps on the field instead of, you know, taking a back seat and learning through the playbook through mental snaps. Um, it was, it was great. It was a lot of fun to see. Um, although it was just that short, you know, I thought, what was it, Eric, like 11, 12 plays overall in the 11-11? 12 or 14, somewhere in that range. I didn't tally it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a lot to really take away from, but plays were made, um, and you were able just to see how the defense lined up. Uh, it seems, you know, that, that star position and, and their nickel base is still something that is coming along with this program. Um, Bennett Williams and Jamal Hill are going to be – are probably going to be those two guys for the entire season. Um, Bennett was with the second team, but I'm sure that's going to be another really good competition for this program. Uh, both because both of those guys are very capable. We all saw what Bennett Williams did last season before he was injured. Um, you know, we saw Jamal Hill come come on towards the stretch, the end stretch of the season. Um, those are two guys who are who are going to be really important on this defense and just kind of how the the defensive side of the ball lined up you could tell that those were going to be playmaking positions whether it be making open field tackles or you know potentially even i don't know what it seemed like uh, both bennett and jamal at one point would line up out wide almost like a man coverage for a second i thought like is bennett williams playing corner that's weird but then he moved back into where the star safety usually goes and i'm like all right well that's an interesting little you know, like ripple effect in this defense so there's there were a lot there was you know only the twelve to fourteen plays like Eric said but I think there was a lot to take away from this. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, um, we got an opportunity to speak with multiple people on the defense, and and we'll share what were the big takeaways um, from that. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Uh, talking defense here um, on the second half of this of this episode, guys. And um, I stuck with Tosh Lopoy, the defensive coordinator. You guys sprung out to go with players on the team. Um, we had Noah Sewell speak briefly. We had Braden Swinson speak briefly. Um, Jeffrey Bossa. Um, other names, I, I, I was so locked in on, on Lopoy. Who else spoke today? Uh, DJ Johnson and Jack. Uh, you already said Jackson LaDuke, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, that was it then. Okay. Um, overall, I think I'm curious how it, it's always fun to kind of, we, we didn't compare notes here. It's always fun to compare what coach says to what player says. Um, and Lupoi was asked kind of like, just what, what's the mindset of this defense? What do they want to be known for? What's, kind of the mentality or the culture that they, they want to have. I think the biggest thing that I took away from that was Lupoy brought up how they wanted to be relentless, that when you pop on the film, you see a team that does not stop and that they are always after the football. They are always aggressive. They're always attacking. Um, and it, from our quick comparison, it sounds like some of the players said similar things. Yeah, I didn't get specifically into what the identity would be, but Jeffrey Boss has said there was a lot more energy. Um, the team was flying around a lot. He, he actually credited Coach Lanning for that. And he said because these are young coaches, they're actually physically, like, basically shadowing the players afterwards and running around and celebrating with them. So it, just br- it brings a lot more energy um, to the team in general. Uh, you know, I think not that the previous staff was, like, really old, but, like, Dan Lanning's, like, 35. Like, that's just different energy, different athletic ability, frankly, at that point. And it sounds like they're taking advantage of that, and that's kind of bringing a different level of energy. Um, I got more from Bossa that we'll get to in a moment, but I know Jared – I think Jared had a, a comment from somebody that was more in line with kind of what they wanted to be stylistically, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I talked to both Brandon Swinson and Jackson LeDuc, and they both had the same type of response – um, both like energetic, they both wanted the def- or the how the defense played. It was both energetic, fast, um, and strong. Were like the three like keywords that it kind of felt. Um, you know, you had both of them uh, with Laduke is was with the first teams on defense today. Um, he, he spoke about how he, you know, is getting back into. It says that he's a hundred percent healthy right now, um, and that he's really enjoying working with this with the staff. He said there are a lot of similarities carried over. It's not like there's a huge difference or uh, in, in defenses, and maybe that's just overall, just how like the energy is. Um, I'm sure schematically there are some differences, um, but you know he likes the same intensity that they have. Um, but he also, but I, from Braden Swinson, I heard a little bit more about the energy. Um, he, he talked briefly about how uh, Coach Lupoy was like the same guy every day in terms of bringing that energy every single day, you know who you're dealing with, you know exactly what you're going to get it from him. Um, and, you know, Swinson was really interesting to talk to about how he's, you know, playing 
as many positions as they ask him to with the Jack and Sam linebacker. So that was kind of cool to hear. Um, again, we didn't get to see him in the 11 on 11 portion, but um, he was also, you know, very high on how the, the, the way this defense can bring out the most in players who have this positional versatility, how they've been moving guys around and, and trying new spots like Adrian Jackson moving inside linebacker. You know, he felt really good about, how this defense is going to operate and how fast it is and how um, they have the athletes and the players who can go around and, and make plays. Um, specifically, he talked about uh, DJ Johnson's transition, sort of, I guess, because he played both offense and defense last year, but mostly defense. But um, he was very complimentary of DJ Johnson and how he's adjusted. And it, he said that it felt like he didn't miss a beat when coming back onto defense, um, which is something that, Lupoy mentioned as well, um, but another person that he mentioned was Jackson Powers Johnson, and he said that he's that he was a beast uh, on an interior offensive line, and he's been just as good, if not better, on the defensive line as well. And you saw that again today with the tip pass and leading to an interception. So I think those were all uh, pretty interesting to hear, really complimentary so far of this system. Lupoy talked about DJ. And brought up, he was asked just kind of his thoughts on how he fits that position group and just his role in the defense. And he he said when he watched the film, it was obvious that DJ was playing both ways, was having to give you know both offense and defense uh, his effort, and that it, you know that that was a, a tough thing to do. And he said watching the film though, he felt like if he had his brothers. DJ Johnson is by far in a way a lock locked up defensive end, uh, an outside linebacker, an edge player, someone that would not bounce between offense and defense if he had his way. And he said, obviously, you had to get the head coach's approval and signing off on that. Um, and, and he said they, they did. And it, it was a very easy decision by, by Tosh. He, 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 he indicated that there was no hesitancy uh, of having DJ being on defense. It, it felt like he feels there's a lot of potential for, for DJ to, to turn it into a really, really special player at, at that edge spot. Um, don't know what that would qualify for, but nonetheless, he was very high on DJ's potential. Uh, yeah, and I think we've seen the potential for a long time, which was what – I mean, I thought he had some pretty nice moments in 19, and then suddenly he's playing tight end, and last year he's playing both. And you kind of feel for the guy because, I mean, I, th I sort of wonder if he would have just been focused at one spot. And, again, part of it is Thibodeau's there, and I'm sure if Thibodeau – like if Kayvon Thibodeau is not on the last couple of teams, and obviously no one would wish that was the scenario because he's a game wrecker and was the best player you had on defense. But like hypothet in a hypothetical where Kayvon Thibodeau is not on the roster, DJ Johnson probably stays there and is maybe somebody who – maybe he's the one who's going pro or he's the one entering with a lot of expectations. And now – Instead, because Kayvon had been there, he, he had to move around a little bit, I think, to try to find a spot in the field. I mean, I know there was other factors, but that played a role. And, and I, I'm, I'm encouraged by I, I spoke with DJ briefly. Um, you know, he, he did mention he's playing both outside linebacker, defensive line position. Didn't really sound like – he, he kind of spoke as if they're giving him a lot of autonomy or agency to kind of do what he wants to do. Um, kind of, you know, I kind of asked, like, is your role different? He's like, no, they just want me to be on the edge. He even said something to the effect of, like, and I can kind of decide if I'm standing or have a hand down, which I, I want, I'm curious if that's fully accurate. But if that is, like, that's really interesting. Um, but but basically, if just, like, let him use his physical gifts, which, again, we've seen numerous times, whether it be 
as a defensive lineman creating a sack or a pressure or as an offensive player catching a, a swing pass and getting upfield and, and making a play. He's very athletically gifted and certainly somebody who, like, in this new system, if he takes a big step, that'd be really exciting. A um, couple notes on Boss I've got here that kind of that's kind of emptying my notebook, if you will, um, from interviews. Uh, Boss has said that, you know, he kind of went into workouts not knowing what position he was going to be at, um, workouts being stuff in winter leading up to spring. Um, you know, he kind of kept his weight consistent to kind of have that versatility. And eventually he said, like, quote, I just kind of kept finding myself in the linebacker's room. And that's kind of where he's been. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it sounded like he felt there was a lot to work off of and build off of. And I'd agree. He was great at times last year. Had a really strong freshman season. Um, he says he's weighing 217 to 220 right now, but his goal is to be at 230. Um, he did say that he thinks athletically he hasn't lost a step. Um, I would be curious to see if he does get up to 230, how that impacts him. Because I, I look at him as somebody who is – I don't want to say he's like close to fully filled out because I think there's still some room, but like that's a muscled out guy. And yeah. for him to already be at about 220, 230, you just hope you don't lose a step. And this is where you're, I guess, have you just kind of turn and say, okay, Wilson Love has proven to be a great strength coach and uh, Jaworski Beckham has proven to be a great speed coach. And you just kind of trust those guys have the right mindset and, and kind of molding Jeffrey Bossa. But I look at Bossa and go, like, I, I, I want to be somewhat careful if you're kind of in his camp of, okay, does he end up being a little too heavy for how he plays? Because I thought his explosiveness and his ability to cover players in space last year was such a big weapon for the defense, and you kind of hope he doesn't lose any of that. But he, it seemed like based upon early indications of having gained an additional you know seven or ten pounds, he doesn't feel like he's really lost a step yet. I feel like from for him, from an athletic standpoint, I think if he gets up to near that 230, I, I don't know if he'll lose that much athleticism. Um, just from from where he was last year, you could tell that over the course of the season he gained more weight just because yeah. he knew he had to play linebacker. And it, it I don't really think that it affected him. Um, it might have, and I might not have any of the numbers, but just from a pure eye test, it didn't really seem like it. Um, again, kind of notable that he's with the second group with Baduke and Sewell coming in. Um, I think – you know, I've kind of already emptied the notebook on my interviews, but just to make some uh, overall observations, uh, the linebacking room at Oregon, you know, we've talked about this before on, on this podcast, but, you know, just kind of going through and seeing it written on paper is like first team, second team, third team without Justin Flo. I mean, that's, it's a good, it's an already good group, but when you add Flo back into the mix, you could be looking at, you know, Keith Brown potentially being third team with, you know, they drop LeDuke back to second team because I fully expect Justin Flo to be a starter once he's healthy. And, you know, Sue and Flo, obviously, we've we only got that for three and a half quarters last season, but it was special then. And, you know, the, the, the idea is that if, if Flo can come back and be healthy and be the same kind of player he was, it's going to be special again for a season. But then you also have Jeffrey Baza, who showed moments last year where you're like, well, this kid could be special too. And, yeah. Keith Brown was a highly rated recruit and Jackson LaDuke only played four games last year, but you know, he's, he, he there's a lot of, a lot of good vibes and a lot of good reports from him out of practice last year. And then, then the year prior. So uh, a lot of upside here and that's not even taking into account Harrison Taggart and, and Devin Jackson, who was the highest rated recruit coming in. Um, so that's, that's a good position. And, and, you know, frankly, it's, you know, the right position group to be stacked when you have, you know, a, a defensive minded head coach and, um, you know, I talked to Jackson about it and says that Coach Lanning and Coach Lupoy will you know, stick around with the linebackers 
more often than not. Um, but obviously check in at all the positions across the field. But, you know, they do do a lot of work at, uh, at linebacker with them. Don't forget Adrian Jackson. Just that was one thing I wanted to say. Adrian Jackson's in that group too. Yes. So I mean, they're so loaded. Right. Sorry, Matt. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was gonna bring up one quick note about Tosh. He was asked at the beginning of the interview with him, just why Oregon? What what led to him coming from the NFL, where he spent some time, um, and he was very passionate just about the brand that Oregon has, the you know the setup and and the resources that Oregon has. Um, the coaching staff that Oregon was building under Dan Lanning. Um, and then he, he cited that you know, it also helped that his family is from this area. His wife's family is from the Pacific Northwest, and it was good to get back closer to them. Um, but he, he gave some very passionate comments about it wasn't going to – he didn't envision leaving the NFL once he got there. Um, that's the highest level of, of sport. Um, and in that profession, and he just didn't see that it was going to leave. And he said it took something very special, um, and, and for him to, to, to leave his NFL position and come back to college. And you know, look, we, we all expected him, we all knew he was going to say glowing things about Oregon. Um, but it was, I, I think, Duck fan will watching his videos when he speaks, will enjoy listening to his interviews. Will be will enjoy his insight. Um, very knowledgeable, very passionate. Um, in a way, kind of just the overall vibe reminded me a lot of just Andy Avalos. Like you could tell that this guy could become a head coach down the road. Um, very good, articulate, really good recruiter. Brought up the NLI factors there as well. Um, as one of the bigger changes for him since he's last been in college. But just I, I thought it was very, very impressive to hear Tosh. Um, and he was also very frank, like this defense isn't going to be uh, the Georgia Bulldog defense. It's not going to be one of the defenses, you know, the Falcons or the Jaguars. Um, I think he coached with the Browns as well off the top of my head. Um, he named about three or four teams that he worked with in the NFL he mentioned Alabama. I mentioned Georgia. It's going to be the Oregon defense, and and he said this spring is is really big on the staff figuring out what will the Oregon defense truly look like. They have ideas. They've got plans. They have things that they want um, to, to 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 focus on from a scheme perspective. But they are still evolving the defense. They're still kind of formulating a plan, uh, and and as they learn more and more about this defense and the players that they have. He did say the one thing that he wants them to be known for, though, uh, is relentless, that when teams pop on the tape, they're going to see a defense that's just absolutely relentless towards the football. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Uh, We will be back later this week with another edition um, when we talk with Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator, and speak with quarterbacks from the Oregon football program. Until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. 
It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.